want to share with you um, one thing from my message, just a one-point message. Then uh, next week we're going to shift gear. And um, I want to challenge as many of you as can to come out on uh, Wednesday morning, uh, Wednesday evening, so we can kind of flesh out some of the theologies that I'm going to share uh, this morning. Because you really don't have time to deal with a lot of that on a Sunday morning. So I just want to lay some foundation. And I know I'm going to, because we're a non-denominational church, I know I'm going to say some things um, that may not resonate with your spirit. Um, but we want to invite you to come out Wednesday and you can interact with me and um, ask all the questions you need to ask. And we're going to God that God would move and way. So let me just review briefly. Um, I need you to, to, to lock into this this morning. Um, Brighton said, get in the ark. Um, once you get in the ark, I need you to know that you're safe when you're in the ark. Amen. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, Amen. we are safe in the ark. Come on, tell the other neighbor that. Say, other neighbor, you are safe in the ark. One of the biggest problems, and I had this question surface. Uh, if you can bring this down a little bit, it feels hot to me. We, we, um, this Wednesday, somebody asked me, how do I know if I'm saved, and how do I know if I am a person to get in the ark or that God has in the ark, and am I safe? And I kind of shared that I wanted to, to table that until this morning and I just want to address that one thing this morning um, so we can kind of hear what God is saying and doing in our midst. And we're going to move forth to allow us to go and be who he would have us to be. I'm one of those guys. I don't want to wait until, I'm die, until I die to find out if I am saved or not. See, because that's too late. <laughs> and I can't do anything about it. I want to be able to do something about my salvation while I have breath in my lungs. So I'm just going to say this up front. I am one of those individuals that believe in the eternal security of your salvation. And I'll say it in layman's terms, and I'll explain Then We're going to go to the text. I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. But I don't believe that that's a license to sin. I don't believe that because you're saved, you can live life anyway and do whatever you want to do and fool yourself into thinking you're saved. Because I'm going to say to you, when a person is saved, there ought to be something different about them. There ought to be a lifestyle change. There ought to be, come on, come on, come on, talk to me. Yeah, yeah, there ought to be, we, we ought to be different when we give our heart to God. So today, I want to begin the process of using this Old Testament um, if I could use the word metaphor of the security of salvation to begin a, a, a difficult New Testament theology and kind of talk about that a little bit so we can get to where God would have us to go. And by way of just brief review, um, you know, Brighton was reading, and I tell you, as he was reading, I, I heard him read something that I've read, read this story um, tons of times, even and for me, you know, I've been reading it for the past month. And I've been skipping over that Noah and his wife and three of his son's wives went into the ark with him. And when he said it, I was like, wow, I didn't pay attention to that. You know how you read things and it just skip over it? Come on, y'all. And so thanks for doing that, brother. Thanks for um, locking into what God is saying there. Here's a couple of things I want to say about where I review. Number one, um, that's the wrong slide on that screen. This one is correct on the back screen. Um, so that while they work on that, we must never forget that the Holy Spirit is the sealant when we're building the ark. And I'm getting ahead of myself because, I mean, jumping around. We review, when we looked at um, Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, 
last week. And what Genesis chapter 6 verse 14 says, that when um, God told Noah to build the ark, he said to him, seal it with pitch on the inside and pitch on the outside. And the connection I wanted to make with that really, really quick, that's important for what I'm going to share with you. If the Holy Spirit is on board, you're sealed. Are you with me? And don't miss the conditional clause that I'm using. If the Holy Spirit is on board, you're sealed. Okay? Um, it's not that you get saved and then you wait for the Holy Spirit to come on board later on. The moment you get saved, the thing that enables you to get saved is the fact that the Holy Spirit is on board. Is that all right? Now go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm just going to read some scriptures and challenge you to go home and flesh it out. And then we're going to walk and allow God to be God in our midst. And I'm going to be moving as we kind of talk to this. Ephesians chapter 1. And um, it's a lot of reading. But let me um, look at verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1 and 3. If you're there, say amen. Uh, that wasn't enough amens. There's more people in here. Uh, give them a chance to get there. If you're there, uh, let me try. If you're there, say amen. amen. Now listen to what it says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and from the ESV, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, um, Even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Come on, say, God chose me before I was born. We'll talk about what that means later, okay? And that we should be holy and blameless before him. And then it says, in love, verse 8, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Now, re repeat after me. Say, I am adopted, I am adopted. As, a as a child of God. Now, this is assuming you're saved. I want you all to hear me say it. It's assuming, I'm making some assumptions here, that you have a relationship with Christ. You have been adopted as a son of God. I don't have time to talk about that, but I'll explain it. According to the purpose of his will, meaning that God had a reason for what he did, to the praise, verse 8, and the glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse 7 says, that was verse 6, I'm sorry. In him, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins or trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished in us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him in heaven and things on earth. Now look at verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that means your crazy stuff that you go through, God fixes it up so he can get the glory out of it. Now look at verse 12. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. I love verse 13. In him you also, watch this, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed. You see that word sealed? With the promised Holy Spirit, my uh, mic is changing too drastically, guys, um, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let me read verse 13 because that's paramount and it's a lot of meat in here. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
and believed in him, look at, look at the pitch, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, the reason he did that, look at verse 14, is to guarantee our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Here's a short version of what that means. When you decided, I'm going to give my life to Christ, God took a portion of him, namely the third person of the Trinity, and he deposited that person on the inside of you in the form of the Holy Spirit, and he issued the instruction to the Holy Spirit that lives in you, keep him till I come back. Yeah. Let me be gender neutral. Keep her till I come back. All right, you with me? So here's, here, and I'm going to be saying some crazy things. Here's what you can't do. Hey, God, take your Holy Spirit back. I don't want to be kept. Because <laughs> the Holy Spirit's the job, number one, is to keep you. Because he, he, I'm not going to lose anybody who the Father gave me, so I'm going to put my Spirit in you. And the purpose of the Spirit residing in you, a whole lot of things, but to guarantee that they're going to make it in. Man, you got to track with me on that. Does that make sense, guys? Are you with me? Okay. We'll flesh this out. We'll flesh this out. So here's something I want to say about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not designed to stop the storm from coming, but it's to help you make it through the storm. So don't fool yourself into thinking that because I am saved, everything is going to be all right. Come on, y'all. Life is still going to happen. The storms of life are still going to come. One of the mistakes we make when it relates to our evangelistic approach, we go tell people that if you get saved, all of your life challenges are going to be fixed. Stop lying to folk. The Holy Spirit is not designed to prevent the storm, but it's designed to keep you through the storm. If I were to jump ahead to the book of Noah, you'll notice that even though the boat was sealed with pitch in and out, the storm still came. Are you with me? My hope is not in the world. It is in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, say amen if you believe that. Okay? Now, let me get to the text, and I'm going to start to move through the text. Now, here's the thing. Because the ark serves as God's vehicle to escape the flood, the dominant thing that I want you all to hear me say, and Brighton kind of helped me preach this, is God invites us into the security of the ark. The invitation is to get into the ark so you can be saved. Now, I am using the term ark or this boat that you see on the screen as a metaphor to talk about the salvation vehicle that God has provided to rescue us from his impending judgment that's going to be coming on the earth realm. So go with me to the book of Genesis, and let me read a couple of scriptures, and then I'm going to talk through some things and allow God to be God in our midst, okay? Look with me at verse 1 of Genesis chapter 7. It's the same passage, bright and red. I'm going to move around. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And jump down to verse 13. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and three wives of his son um, with him entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kind, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature, verse 15 said, they went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, which there was the breath of life, 
And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh went in. And if you don't have this underlined in your Bible, I want you to mark your Bible. It's not a sin. And God, as God commanded him, then the last phrase says, and the Lord shut him in. Oh, come on, say, and the Lord shut him in. Come on, say it if you believe it. Say, and the Lord shut him in. Now, now here's what I want you all to understand. The security for us making it to the end and being sustained and being all that God would have us to be, it's not outside the ark or the ark of salvation. We must be inside the ark for security to take precedence in our life. Now, let me say it this way. What, what that means and what I'm trying to communicate to you is that if you have not yet accepted Christ in your life as personal Lord and Savior, the end is not guaranteed to you. I want you all to hear me say this. Making it into heaven, into the presence of God is not guaranteed if you are not in the ark. I like to say it this way. There's grace for the guilty but it's only in the ark. Are you with me? Come on, there's deliverance from the burdens of the world, but it's in the ark. Come on, there's hope for the hopeless, but it's, it, it's in the ark. Are you hearing me? That There's life for the lifeless, but it's in the ark. We must become residents of the ark of salvation if we expect to be recipients of the blessings of the hand of God or the protection of the hand of God in the earth realm. Very, very important that you not miss that, okay? Now, let me kind of move through this because I just want to share a couple of things with you so you can hear with me and track with me this morning. So here's the simplicity of getting in the ark. Since God invites us all in, all, say all. all. Come on, say, say it again, say all. all. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, all means you. <laughs> yeah, come on, tell the other neighbor. Tell the other neighbor. Say, all means you. Here's the simplicity of this. All you got to do to enjoy the safety of the ark is you just need to walk in. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. I, I want, I, I want you all to get this, okay? Because no, notice this. Uh, God was the one, and there's a whole lot of theology involved in this, is that you, all you need to do is, is while the door is open and God is saying to enter the ark or God is saying come into a relationship with me, all we need do is walking. Don't make the mistake of fooling yourself into thinking you've got to stop doing what you're doing before you can walk in. Just walk in with all your foolishness. I need somebody to hear me this morning. Don't think you've got to come down off this high before you walk in. Walk in as high as you can be. The door is open. Come on, just walk in. It's not how you get in the ark that matters, but it's what happened to you while you're on the inside of the ark. Oh, come on, come on, come on. That makes all the difference in the world. The problem with the church is we've been too busy trying to clean folk ark so clean folk up so they can come in the ark. When Jesus on the cross of Calvary paid it all. I wish I had somebody on here. He went to Calvary to die for my sin. He paid the price. He died for my sin. He died for your sin. So he says, whosoever will, let him come. It doesn't matter what you look like right now. Just come. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Just come. It doesn't matter what you did this morning. Just come. All you got to do is walk in. Yeah, I like that. 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 
Because for too long, we've sat folk on the mourner's bench and tell them you can't get up till you get right. The mourner's bench can't save nobody. You've got to get in the ark. <laughs> See, only the old folk would know what I'm talking about. Young people don't have a clue what the mourner's bench is. But listen to what that means, young people. You can come out the club last night and come to church this morning, and as long as the door's open, all you've got to do is walk in. I wish I had somebody in here. All you need to do is walk in. As crazy, as, as licentious, and as evil as it was in the days of Noah, the opportunity was extended to every person on the face of the earth that in the midst of their craziness, all they had to do to be rescued from the flood was walk in. Revelations 2 and 20 puts it, 3 and 20 puts it this way to the church at Laodicea. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open up, he says, I'm going to do what? Come in and do what? Sup with him and him with me. Here's what that means. If you want Jesus to come in, all you got to do is open the door, and here's what he's going to do. He's going to walk in. And here's what sup with me means. You give him your pain, and he gives you joy. Come on. You give him your heartache, and he gives you peace. You give him your marital challenges, and he teaches you how to love like only he could love. But you got to let him in. You've got to be in the same vicinity. We must be in the ark of protection with him. Come on, somebody in here say, just walk in. Come on, say it again. Say, just walk in. That's all you've got to do is just walk in. If you wait until it starts drizzling, the door has already been shut. And that's the problem with a whole lot of us. I oftentimes say this. We mess around and say, not now. Well, the moment you leave here, the rain can start falling. And I'm trying to tell you, if you feel the rain, the door is already shut. Just walk in. It's real simple. Salvation is simple. Just come. <laughs> Just come. Just come with your dirty, filthy, whatever. Come. Just come. Come. It doesn't matter. You see, if I look at my own life testimony, when I came to him, I wasn't cleaned up. And I think I'm comfortable in saying when you came, you weren't clean either. He's the one who did the cleaning. Because it's not by my righteousness, but according to his grace that he saved me. Not by works that I have done, because it's by grace that I'm saved through faith, Ephesians 2. Not works. Man, there's a whole lot more there that we're going to have to deal with. So somebody say it again. Say, just walk in. Come on, say it again. Say, just walk in. Let me, let me give me two seconds to deal with this, and I don't have time to deal with this at all. Um, but I just need to say some things. And we can debate order, but here's order of salvation. Here's what happens. God builds the ark. He calls you. He extends the effective call to come in the ark. Once you decide, he regenes you. And I want you to hear what I'm saying. He regenes you. He regenes you. He regenes you. He takes out the old you and puts him in you. He regenes you. Come on, come on, say he redeemed me. Now, you, you don't have to know what it means, but just understand that he gives you a new DNA pattern. And here's what you're saying. Well, pastor, how come, excuse the grammar, how come it is that I'm still sinning with my new DNA pattern? Did God not redeem me? Yeah, he did. You just need to learn how to be like him. 
That's all, okay? So he regenerates, then he converts, and there's a repentance and faith that takes place. Then he justifies you, which simply means it's just as if you have never sinned. When he looks at you, he sees his blood. He doesn't see you. I wish I had somebody in here. I like number five because then he adopts you into his family. And there's great debate on what adoption means, but I like this simple definition. I am now a son or a daughter. Not that I will become. I am now. I wish I had somebody in here. And then he sanctifies me. And what sanctification simply speaks of progressively is not that I am going to be a saint when I grow up. Listen to me carefully. I am already a saint. I just need to learn how to live like one. Lord have mercy. You want to be here on Wednesday. And then seven, I love this perseverance piece because he takes me. And here's what I was saying to in Ephesians. He puts his spirit in me and he keeps me guaranteeing my salvation until the day of redemption. Such that, number eight, when I do die, number nine, I am guaranteed glorification. Okay. I need to do that quick. This place ought to be packed on Wednesday so we can kind of talk to this. Okay. That's a lot. And I know it might not make sense to a lot of you. So here's the thing. So once we walk in the ark, here's what I need you to know. God shuts us in. I already said that. He shuts us in. Come on, say it again. Say, he shuts me in. Now here's why I wanted you to see that. A couple of things, and I have 13 minutes to do this. Shutting us in means three things. Number one, he provides a head of protection around you. Oh, I should have got at least three more amens. Shutting you in means that he provides a hedge of protection around you. Real quick, jump over to Job chapter 1. Real quick, real quick. Y'all hurry up, hurry up. Job chapter 1, verse 9. Yeah, go there real quick. Job, not, Job 1, and, and let me read so we can provide some context there. If you're there, say amen. It says here now. Look at verse 6, just for context, verse 6. Yeah. Now, there was a day when the sons of God, we dealt with that Wednesday, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from uh, going through to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered... My servant Job, there is none like him on the earth. And look at the character traits. Blameless, upright, who fears God. And he turns away from evil. I want you all to hear the details of that. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? And look at this. Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and, the possess and his possessions have increased in the land. Come on, say a hedge. Yes. Now, here's the requirement for the hedge. Let me tell you what that means. Here, here's Satan showed up, and, and, and let me, I'm going to say this loose because I'm going to flesh it out Wednesday. Satan shows up to God's business meeting, and God said, who invited you? I invited myself. Why are you here? Because I have everybody in the earth in check. I got them doing what I want them to do. 
All I need to do is flash a female across the screen for the men and click here. You won't believe this, God. Christians, click. Y'all don't got quiet. <laughs> All I need to do is just tempt them with anything, and they're doing it, so I have them on check. People without hedges. God, have you tried that on Job? It won't work with him. Why? Because you put a hedge around him. So why would you put the hedge, God? Holy, blameless, upright, and shuns evil. And because he's making an intentional choice to follow me, I'm going to protect him even more. Y'all, y'all. I said this up front. Salvation is not a license to sin. I said that up front. But I said the saved is protected and they're secure. So I'm not saying that we will not sin. We will sin. Are you hearing me? But when we confess our sins, we don't give the hedge leverage. The hedge stays down as long as we keep confessing. Confessing, confessing, confessing. So let me tell you what this will look like. As opposed to you having that thing come across the internet and you click because the only way you can follow that trail is that you've got to make the intentional choice for God to raise the hedge for you to come out so you can follow the... Y'all not hearing me, y'all not hearing me, y'all not hearing me, you're not hearing me. Because if you don't click, you'll bump into the edge and you can't get out. Oh, I wish I had somebody in here. <laughs> Come on, is this making sense? So here's what he says. Joe, and I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about the protective hand of God. God will protect you such that if we make the intentional, volitional choice to obey him, no demon in hell can access you because God will protect you. So here's what he says it in Psalm 51. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I stay with the hedge as long as I obey God. I keep the hedge down as long as I keep confessing my sins. So being shut in means that God provides a hedge. So by default, the moment you get saved, kluke hedge. Just learn to keep it down. Oh. And what sanctification is? The longer you stay saved and the more you become like Christ, the more the hedge stays down. Baby Christians. We get a butt whipping and we come back down. God said, let's try this again. Hedge. Come on, y'all. And then here, I just, I don't know, God, before I got saved, that alcohol used to call my name. Can't you hear it through the hedge? Can't you hear it? <laughs> then we think God ain't looking. Let me get a little butt whipping. Let's try this again. Hedge. And for some of us, it's been 40 years. 
I wish I had somebody in here. Yeah. Hedge up, hedge down, hedge up, hedge down. Head. Come on, y'all. Don't act like it's, I'm not talking about you. I used to be like that, but I've grown to the place where I like the protection of the hedge. I like being in the protection of God. Come on, come on. So it's not so easy for me to give in to the enemy. I'm not saying that I don't, but I know when I mess up to confess my sin so the hedge can stay in place. <sighs> Are you hearing me? Number one, you got a hedge. So here's the application. Keep your hedge down. <laughs> I like it. Number two, there's no way for you to open the door. I'm not talking about hedge now. I am not talking about hedge. I'm talking about salvation. Okay? There's no way for you to open the door to let yourself out. God shut him in. And does anybody in here know that when God closes a door... <laughs> Let me put you this way. Grandma would say this way. There's no somebody on the face of the earth more powerful than God that they can undo what God did. Nobody. Nobody. Not even your free will. Man, I know that's harsh. I know that that is harsh. Let's go to John 10. Let me give you one scripture, and then I'll say one more thing, then I'll stop. Is this helping somebody? Good. John, John, John 10. Let's go here. John 10. Okay. Say amen if you're there. Well, let me give you. I cheated. I had, I got a Bible. It's got like 20 of these things. Yeah. And you just kind of drop it where you got to go and click. And it's color coded too. So I cheated. I cheated. Yeah. John 10. Go to verse 27. I want you all to see the extremity of this. And there's a million of other scriptures we can talk to this about. You guys are there? Verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, and I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Stop. Look up at me. Look up at me. Look up at me. Say, my sheep hear my voice. One more time. Say, my sheep hear my voice. Here's what this means. When you pick up the hedge and you sneak out, that thing that God put in you to keep you, here's what it'll say. You better get back in the hedge. That's what it'll say. Come on, y'all. And if you are a sheep, <laughs> okay. Are you with me? Come on, talk to me this morning. Are you with me? If you're a sheep and, and God says, man, you, you, you know you ain't got no business over here up at Sally's house. You know it. Man, you right, man. You, hey, girl, next time. If, if you out here and you hear that voice and you're like, who that? You might want to check. Yeah, 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 yeah. You might, you might just want to check who's talking to you. Are you with me? Because the text is clear. My sheep hear my voice. Are you with me? And I know them and they follow me. Let's keep going. Look at what it says here. Look at what it says. And it says, and no one, verse 28, can snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, my father who gave them to me is greater than all 
and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And look at this crazy thing in verse 30. In case you're thinking there's two of us and you can beat one, I and my father are one. Here's what that means. God takes you. He calls. He converts. He, all the stuff we had on the board. Then he adopts you. He grabs you. And he said, mine. And then Jesus did that on Calvary. Then Jesus takes his hand and puts his hand inside his father's hand. And before they can even get to you, the enemy, he dares the enemy, open daddy's hand to take him out or her out. Open daddy's hand. And I don't know about you, but last I checked, I said this before, no one is more powerful than God to open the hand of God and to take a saint of God out of the hand of God. So here's what I'm saying. If you are a saint, if you've given your life to Christ and you're saved, you are safe in the ark. Are you hearing me? I'm not talking behaviors. I'm not talking lifestyles. That's a whole other message. We can talk about that. But I want you to hear me say this morning, you are safe in the ark. You're going to make it in. Are you hearing me? Okay, very, very important that you not miss that, okay? And then, 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 then we're going to wrap this up. And I'm tempted to say one more piece, but I won't go there. I've got to stay focused. Here's what the next one says. Three things. The third one is this. If you're in the ark and God shut you in, God obviously has plans on taking care of you as long as you stay in the what? I like that. I like that. Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi, says this. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, by Christ Jesus. Okay? Now, don't make the mistake of defining needs with wants. Don't, don't, don't make that mistake because there's a whole lot of things that I want that God doesn't feel that I need. He's daddy. Okay? Now, the reason I'm alive today is because I'm in the ark and God took care of me. The reason you're alive today is because you're in the ark and God took care of you. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? So here's how he says it. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Now, let me reemphasize a point that I stated earlier. Being in the ark does not stop the storm from coming. So don't fool yourself because I'm in the ark. I'm going to pray for the storm not to come. The storm might come. The storm probably will come. But being in the ark and the protection and the provision of God is to give us strength to make it through the storm. Because growth comes from going through, not from avoiding. Last illustration, I'm going to stop. You take a little child and you tell them don't touch the stove. Child going to want to know why. And you can tell them all day long don't touch the stove. Child going to want to know why. Then one day, that stove going to be on and the child going to reach up there and accidentally touch it. I'm guaranteeing you for the rest of that child's life, you never have to say to that child, don't touch the stove. Are you with me? Are you? And, and, and a lot of us in here, we know what not to do, not because God told us not to do it. It's because we've been through the storm, and he helped us make it through the storm. And on the other side of the storm, we know what not to do because the stove was hot, 
and it burnt us and we have grown and we know when we see that thing, girl, give me a screwdriver. I got to screw this hedge down because there's no way on God's earth I'm coming out to do that. <laughs> I wish I had somebody in here. And they're designed to strengthen us, to make us strong. But hear me say this and I'm done. Come on, Pastor Katani. You're safe in the ark. You're safe in the ark. Please also hear me say, salvation is not a license to sin. It's not. It's not. If the voice have been talking to you, that thing that's putting you to keep you, start listening. And make the adjustments. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for you. You're a wonderful God. You're gracious, you're mighty, you're powerful God. And so we give ourselves to you. We bless you, we magnify you. We adore you, Lord. And so God, as your word has gone forth, I just sense, Lord, that there's somebody in here that did not know that they were safe in the ark and might have been living all crazy, difficult, but God, you're speaking to them to bring them to a relationship with you. So there's healing in the ark. There's forgiveness in the ark. There is love in the ark. So God, as we take a moment to just extend this altar invitation, I am praying that if somebody's here that don't feel loved, that felt that they had blown it so bad that God simply could not let them back in. <sighs> let them know that you care. Let them know that they belong to you. Let them know that you've shut them in. So Holy Spirit, be God here. Be God. Be God in our midst, Lord. As we give this to you, in your name we pray. Amen.